The reading of our gospel lesson for this Palm Sunday is from Luke chapter 23. Then the whole company of them arose and brought him before Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this man misleading our nation and forbidding us to give tribute to Caesar, and saying that he himself is Christ, a king. And Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him, You have said so. Then Pilate said to the chief priests and the crowds, I find no guilt in this man. But they were urgent, saying, He stirs up the people, teaching throughout all Judea, from Galilee even to this place. When Pilate heard this, he asked whether the man was a Galilean. And when he learned that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him over to Herod, who was himself in Jerusalem at that time. When Herod saw Jesus, he was very glad, for he had long desired to see him, because he had heard about him, and he was hoping to see some sign done by him. So he questioned him at some length, but he made no answer. The chief priests and the scribes stood by, vehemently accusing him. And Herod, with his soldiers, treated him with contempt and mocked him. Then, arraying him in splendid clothing, he sent him back to Pilate. And Herod and Pilate became friends with each other that very day, for before this they had been at enmity with each other. Pilate then called together the chief priests and the rulers and the people and said to them, You brought me this man as one who was misleading the people. And after examining him before you, behold, I did not find this man guilty of any of your charges against him. Neither did Herod, for he sent him back to us. Look, nothing deserving death has been done by him. I will therefore punish and release him. But they all cried out together, Away with this man, and release to us Barabbas. A man who had been thrown into prison for an insurrection started in the city and for murder. Pilate addressed them once more, desiring to release Jesus. But they kept shouting, Crucify him! Crucify him! A third time he said to them, Why? What evil has he done? I have found in him no guilt deserving death. I will therefore punish and release him. But they were urgent, demanding with loud cries that he should be crucified, and their voices prevailed. So Pilate decided that their demand should be granted. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, for whom they asked. But he delivered Jesus over to their will.
Let's sing him. And as they led him away, they seized one Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, and laid on him the cross to carry it behind Jesus. And there followed him a great multitude of the people and of women who were mourning and lamenting for him. But turning to them, Jesus said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren, and the wombs that never bore, and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. And the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. 
that this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, while the sun's light failed, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent. And all the crowds that had assembled for this spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned home, beating their breasts. And all his acquaintances and the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance, watching these things. Now there was a man named Joseph from the Jewish town of Arimathea, he was a member of the council, a good and righteous man, who had not consented to their decision and action, and he was looking for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down and wrapped it in a linen shroud and laid it in a tomb cut in stone where no one had ever yet been laid. It was the day of preparation, and the Sabbath was beginning. 
The women who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointments. On the Sabbath they rested according to the commandment. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Today, as we begin this holy week, we prepare to walk with Jesus through this critical time, this last week of his life. And we remember with the church, and we rehearse the unfolding mystery, the veil of God's hidden work of salvation being lifted, the curtain being drawn back, revealing, the revealing beginning with this triumphal entry into Jerusalem, into the city of kings, but culminating in his brutal death, his hasty burial and his glorious resurrection a week after this day. And to that end, our gospel lesson for this Palm Sunday uh, may seem like a bit of a surprise. We began the service outside, joining with the crowds and raising our palm branches and welcoming 
the Lord Jesus as a triumphant king. But our gospel reading assigned for this day seems fitted for Monday, Thursday and Good Friday rather than for the pomp and the joy of Palm Sunday. I really enjoy the festive mood of, of the triumphal entry and I wonder why do we have to leave it so quickly. I'd like to hear more of the shouts of Hosanna and the accolades heaped on Jesus by the disciples and by the crowd. I want to hear more about the Pharisees' directive to Jesus to make these people be quiet. And I imagine Jesus' smiling face as he responds in joy that if these people were silent, the very stones would cry out. And we would not be the first ones to feel this way, the first ones to want to bask in glory a little bit longer. You remember when Jesus fed the 5,000 and, and uh, that great miracle and, and that afterward they wanted to take him and make him king by force. They wanted to bask in that glory. They wanted uh, a miracle worker king. Peter wanted to stay on the mountain just a few weeks ago in our reading. Right? Uh, the, the, the transfiguration, they see Jesus in all of his glory. They see there Moses and Elijah. And, and Peter says, Lord, this is good that we're here. I'll, I'll make some shelters for us. And we can stay here. Even Herod hopes to see some glory in Jesus. Some, some little miracle, some little sign. He's heard a lot about him. He's finally come to his palace sent there by Pilate. This is the sort of king that we want. A, a king that will make all of our misery and our pain go away. A king that can fix problems with a word of his mouth. We want a king that will make our life easier so that we can avoid the rough spots that will bail us out whenever we need him. That will lift us out of the muck and the mire. But Jesus, of course, wants none of that glory. He dismisses the 5,000. And he sets his disciples in the boat and sends them across the lake. Moses and Elijah on the mountain recede into the background. The, the cloud covers them. And it's just Jesus. And Peter and James and John, they follow Jesus back down the mountain. In Herod's palace, Jesus doesn't answer. He's just silent. He's not going to give in to the whims, the desires of Herod. And so Herod mocks him and sends him back to Pilate. Is that the kind of king we want? The silent one, the one that doesn't do the miracles when we want him to? The crowds on Palm Sunday, they too disperse. And the glory of the day seems to be forgotten. Because the glory of Jesus, the glory of God's Messiah, is not going to be found in his miracles or in those other places like the mountaintop. The glory of Jesus is going to be found in a most unlikely place. His glory is going to be found in his humiliation.
Jesus will be honored. He will be glorified. Not as he enters the city of Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, but as he leaves it. Not as he rides high on a beast of burden over the cloaks and the palm branches, but as he is bowed low under the weight of a Roman cross, himself bearing the burden of humanity's sin. As commander-in-chief, it's the role of the king to lead the army against the enemies of the people. And when that king returned home victorious, then the people would throng to meet him as they did on this Palm Sunday. They would cut branches from the trees and they would put down the cloaks on the road so that the king could ride in to the city. It was supposed to be a magnificent spectacle. Jesus has come to Jerusalem before, but on this day he enters the city like one of those kings of old. And this is proper and fitting because he has come to do battle. Not battle against flesh and blood, not battle against Herod or Pilate, against Rome, not even against the leaders of the Jews. The battle that Jesus has come to wage is against the powers of darkness, against the forces of evil, against Satan, our great adversary. It makes me think about David as a little shepherd boy, uh, fighting the lions, fighting the bears, but fighting Goliath. Uh, coming to do battle, to stand in for Israel. You know, Goliath was challenging them. Send one warrior. He and I will do battle. And all of Israel was afraid, except for this little shepherd boy who says, I'll go fight him. The young David comes forward and stands in for the army of Israel. And in humility and in weakness, with no weapons and no, no armor, he destroys the great Goliath. He wins a great victory for Israel. A victory that brought Israel peace and rest from the Philistines. And now Jesus enters into Jerusalem as the son of David, the son of the king, as our champion, to stand in for us, to do battle in our stead. And he doesn't do it with swords and spears. He doesn't even do it with legions of angels. In great humility and weakness, he has come to do battle against Satan. And not Satan only, but also death and the grave. He resists the temptation to reach out and to, to take glory for himself. With a word, he could have rendered Herod and Pilate and the ready ranks of Rome's army, obsolete, powerless. With a thought, he could have shut the mouths of his accusers. With great power and great might, he could have called down 12 legions of angels, as he says, and leapt triumphantly from the cross and destroyed his enemies. And I'm sure that temptation was there. 
but he resists. Because his glory is in his obedience to the Father. Even as his Father turns his back on him, forsakes his only Son, as God judges him guilty and God meets out the punishment for those sins, for the sins of all people, that punishment, that wrath, that justice requires. Because the Passover Lamb of God must be sacrificed. His innocent blood will win great victory for us, atoning for our sins. And the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ are the death blow, the crushing blow to Satan, our accuser, and to his dominion over us. Paul says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, a thing to be clung to, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And so it is fitting that the people wave the branches of the palms and lay their cloaks on the road and, and welcome Jesus into Jerusalem as their king, as their champion. But it is also fitting that we leave that narrative and turn our attention toward Maundy Thursday and the betrayal of Jesus and his arrest and to Good Friday and to his crucifixion because it's here that the great Goliath is defeated. Satan, our adversary. It is on the cross as Christ gives his life for ours that our defeat is turned into victory. It is here in his suffering and death and in his triumphal resurrection that our champion drives home the stone and crushes the head of the serpent. Yes, this is the king that we want. This is the king that we need. Jesus Christ crucified and risen gives us the victory. A victory that we will be celebrating not just a week from now, but for all eternity. God bless your observance of this most holy week. Amen. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.